that is different from us? Because obviously it has to go through admissions. You have to look at all their test scores, their personal statements. I mean, has to read that. You know, you have to kind of um, get together and coordinate and talk to other people on the hiring committee about like, who do we accept? Who do not accept? Why? Let's debate. And I know there's like an SNL scan, um, sketch about it as well, but, but, right. but it is very, it is very different for me. Um, and I can only assume like everybody else what happened and why. Um, but I, but I can see, I guess I can understand certain pieces of it from different lenses as an educator, but in terms of who failed the system, I, I have no idea aside from that one, you know, individual who coordinated everything. Right. Um, you know, the reason why I said uh, if the education system failed, mm. I said that because one thing I would say is I'm not surprised. We all know what runs this country. Money. People buy their way into everything. Mm-hmm. I, people have been buying their way. Uh, parents have been buying their kids uh, ways into colleges for forever. And the reason why for me this was such a big scandal was the lengths that they went through you know at one point one of the fathers and the 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 athletic coach that was into it they photoshopped photoshopped the the father's son's face onto uh one of the athlete's bodies oh that that athlete lost a spot on the team i can't remember which sport it was i think it was basketball one of the one of the top sports but now, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, if it wasn't taking nobody's spot, it is what it is. We already know people have been doing it. It's not going to stop. They're going to continue doing it. Right. But I think when they do that, where's the money going? Because if you're buying your, yeah, your kids, uh, you know, way into an Ivy League school, where is that money going? Because I feel like everybody's getting a piece off the top because there's no way people behind the desk who, who look at these applications don't have no idea that these kids are, you know, you have a 2.7 GPA and, you know, you're not, you don't have the best grades in the school and all of a sudden they're, they're replacing, you know, top athletes with gr- good grades. Mm-hmm. I feel like the money was being thrown around. Everybody's taking a piece of the pie and that whole scandal just showed how flawed our system is. The fact that you can buy, someone's way into an Ivy League school or just mm-hmm. a school in general. Yeah. And and kids are, are losing opportunities to get to these schools because someone else has a little more paper than their family. I'm not surprised, but it, it's one of those things that, that happens all the time, even when we're not thinking about it. I'm sure it happened yeah. this year, you know, with the pandemic. Um, or with connections. Yeah. Connections is a big part. That's why a lot of schools have donors. You think those donors... You know, I know at St. Bonaventure, you know, some of the donors, they 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 have a whole family bloodline to go to school. Why? Oh, I bet. Because the, we know what mm-hmm. talks and we know mm-hmm. what walks. And do you think that's something that we will ever clean up as a, you know, as a as a country is cleaning up the that 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 dirt that goes on behind the mm-hmm. scenes, people, you know, sliding money and, you know, letting kids come through without putting in the work to do the necessary yeah. requirements i mean it would be nice but everybody's different everybody has a different background it's not like we i mean this is not an excuse by any means but right. it's also not like we have anything that we talk about in school that goes over ethics and morals and you know x y and z things not that that's an excuse by any means 
but I, on a smaller scale, do know that there are some people that I've come across who just don't understand like certain work ethics in a job and other, and it's not, you know, that they're not smart or anything like that. They just, you know, purely don't know and are unaware because it's their first job or other. And obviously this is like a, a much bigger scale, but I mean, there, there are little things like that where maybe they take it a little bit and then they, since they didn't get caught, they'll keep going and they'll make it a little bit bigger and then bigger and then bigger and then it explodes. I mean, literally every TV show drama that you watch, that's what happens. Like literally every single one. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, that there has, I mean, if you're telling the same story over and over, there has to be somebody who does that in real life in in a certain degree and extent um so while I would like to say yes I also and and not that like having a class on moral and ethics is going to change anything um but I just I don't see it really happening until like maybe way later but even then I feel like it would happen on a smaller scale at some point right now let's jump around a little bit. You know, okay. one of the things I was talking uh, when I introduced you, I mentioned that you are part of the multicultural council. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Diversity is a big thing, especially right now yeah. with the state of our country, with the whole white versus black thing, and yeah. you know Hispanics versus you know everybody. Yeah. Um, and especially too, you know, I'm being a black Hispanic male and you're being, you know, pretty short Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think a lot of the students or maybe just the energy on campus has changed because of the social climate that we're in now? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I will also disclose that my campus is predominantly white and predominantly middle class, I would say. Um, from, we're from like a suburb area. Um, but yeah, I do think it, at least when, you know, talking to student life and other types of groups, we have what are called affinity groups, which are different demographic groups that meet together as a club. Right. And yeah, I mean, they're all greatly impacted. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I talked to a lot of students outside of, out of, out of those groups and the students that are particularly assigned to me. So I don't, I can't speak for the whole campus. I can only speak for like 300-ish students. And yeah, just families who are impacted not only by the pandemic, but also by everything that's going on, especially the election was a really big one. That was a really big hit for everybody. Right. Um, just getting through the election and knowing who won was like a huge, like stressful thing where people were staying up all night and couldn't do anything was just staring at their screens like waiting for the results um also like the whole black lives matter movement that happened um last spring yeah um there were a lot of faculty and staff members and administrators who were talking about um how do we support students how do we show them our support through the website, through our conversations with them and other. But of, but of course, nobody is really necessarily an expert on, on each of these topics that are happening, like COVID and blaming the Chinese and, and all these other things. But um, it, it definitely made everybody more aware. It definitely made our campus more aware that they need to do more 
for not only the students, but the community and the country. And the, at least, so, so I actually went on maternity leave. So I was gone most of this year, (laughs) this past year. So I'm trying to remember, but, um, so at least for our college, we started different groups, um, different support groups, I should say. So we have what we call Wakanda, um, which is for our um, staff, faculty, and admin of color to get together. And we call our community Wakanda um, to, you know, respect um, Chadwick Boseman. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we get together twice a month and it's paid work time. So it goes towards our work day, not taking away from the work day um, as part of it. And that's a policy that we put in place. And then um, there's a white ally infinity group for faculty, staff, and admin um, who want to be supportive, but who also identify as white and don't necessarily want to take up space, you know, meant for people of color and people from marginalized backgrounds, but still want to be there as someone who listens and someone who supports in any way that they can and advocate. So we did start certain things like that. I mean, obviously it's not, it's not the best thing ever and and there's no perfect way for anything. Um, But we have been moving. The students have also been doing different things to, I guess, um, be, be there for one another in ways that we probably should have always been to begin with. But, you know, because of everything that's going on and how all these different groups have been hated on and discriminated and oppressed recently, you know, it's just, we're kind of at that extreme exhaustion, I would say, where we're like, you know, we're so tired of all this happening that we really need to do something not tomorrow, but now. Right. Oh, multi-layer i mean we we could be here all day i actually might just break <laughs> this into two part you know the 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 racial tension going on mm-hmm. i've been talking about it a lot for me i i blame I, i'll get personal and i i okay. want to ask you a personal question not even yeah. about school okay to get your honest opinion about it sure for me personally yes. from covid to the election mm. i feel like our government and our media has been doing us a big disservice. Yes. You no. Know, yes, I am a black man. Yes, I know there's a potential I can get pulled over by the cops, and you right. know my life can end. Yeah. I think what's going on is that it, it, the headlines and the way how they cover media, uh, they cover these 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 events, is putting different race groups against each other. When COVID yeah. happened. One of the biggest things I advocated against was, uh, you know, the hatred towards, you know, the Asian culture. Yeah. A lot of my neighbors are of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never felt any negativity towards them about COVID. But a lot of people have. A lot right. of, you know, I was reading a report where in Brooklyn, uh, an 88-year-old uh, Chinese uh, grandmother was walking home from the grocery store and she was set on fire. And they told, and they yelled, you know, go back to China while she was, you know, sitting there on fire and she ultimately passed away from that. But I think what was happening is where instead of finding a solution, instead of coming together and talking about this stuff, every time you see in the news, this, you know, white cop killing black man Mm -hmm. or, you know, 
uh, you know, Asian gets beat up by a bunch of, uh, you know, people because right. of COVID, you know, and I think instead of preaching all of that hatred, we should do more than just putting out negative articles. We should encourage more enlightenment. You know, this whole yes. election was based off white supremacy, mm-hmm. which I know is a real thing. I'm not yeah. saying it isn't, but the, looking at the data, to be honest, I have experienced more violence from fellow minorities than I have from a white person. Oh. I'm not saying every every minority has experienced that, but what I am saying is we have to have a conversation about violence in general. I think right. putting white people versus black people, black people versus other minorities isn't yeah. going to do anything but cause much more divide. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you on a personal note. Yeah. With the COVID thing mm-hmm. uh, going on and, you know, Trump calling it China virus. Yeah. As someone from the Asian culture, yes. um, how have you, you know, handled COVID? Have you felt any negativity towards you, any like racism or any anything negative from other people because of it? Um, so I guess for me personally, I've been in a unique situation. Um, so I would say Seattle is a little, a little, and I say that, you know, lightly, um, but more progressive with acceptance of different identities and demographics than like, I don't want to like name out different, different states because I don't live there, but I'm assuming like the South or like the Midwest or, or, or other, and I'm in a unique position that I was pregnant before COVID and I gave birth in the middle of COVID and I've been on maternity leave basically since then. Well, congratulations. on <laughs> Thank you. So I've been somewhat separated from society um, in that I would much rather spend my time with my firstborn child right. and seeing him through his first year of life than feeling all this negativity and hate and I mean that's that's a privilege that I have that I get to do and I totally acknowledge that and um now that I'm working again and I'm not on maternity leave anymore I'm I'm trying to basically catch up with everything that has happened since last April (laughs) um so yeah which is a lot a lot of hate a lot of negativity a lot of um discrimination a lot of prejudice a lot of white fragility and white supremacy and you know all these things right systemic racism all of that and um i've heard from a lot of a lot of people that i know about how different ways that they have been um like exploited and oppressed and um come and like targeted and other and so i know it's there i just personally have not really been outside the house to see it firsthand not also that I would want to right Um, and I mean so so I'll say like a couple examples so I'm part of different groups um one of them is specifically Koreans like Korean Americans Korean French Korean Australians like just anybody who identifies as with Korean but any nationality and they have you know back in February when 
Trump was saying that it was, you know, the Chinese virus or whatever. And they were all saying, you know, like all of the hate that they had where they'd be walking down the street and people would tell them go home or go back to your country. Or literally if one of them looked at somebody, they would start beating them up. Like there was actually a video that that happened to somebody. Absolutely. Um, and so just kind of having discussions and talking through it with them and, and obviously the community as well. Um, that was something that was, um, I guess I experienced secondhand, not myself. Um, I would say I personally surround myself with people in the diversity and equity work. So I would like to think that nobody would be blaming or shaming or um, saying that my voice is not valid um, on social media or other platforms. And that's partly because I was just (laughs) tired of hearing (laughs) all the other people talking about how systemic racism is not real and how white privilege is not real. And so I just deleted them. So, um, but that, you know, I, so I guess I don't really have any anything to say but I could tell you about like numerous other people that I've you know that identify the same as me or similar to me or even similar to you who have expressed on social media that they do experience these things I just personally because of my unique situation have not been out as much to not that I would want to right right that that's that's deep and I think it's great that you know two people of uh, different minority backgrounds talking about this stuff. Let me ask you too. Yeah. You heard about what happened at the Capitol yes. uh, recently. I had a guest on yesterday okay. and we talked about it. He was a, a, a fellow um, black man. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was what happened? Uh, some type of white supremacy? What? How do you feel about what happened? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm still kind of processing it. Um, I mean, cause some people, I was reading different things and, and some people said that it was, you know, staged. I wanted I mean, them. Yeah. I, I'll explain why, but. I'll... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I would, I, I mean, I, I only see these things, but they don't actually explain themselves in depth. So I'm kind of curious, but yeah, I was, we were driving to my um, parents' house yesterday and there was somebody holding that sign and people were honking and I'm like, are you for real? But anyway, that's just my personal opinion. Right. Anyway. So. Um, and then at least for me, I just thought it was like, what, what the hell is going on? Like, why would you even think? And not that we should even be comparing like the white and black protests and things like that, but they are so different and police are obviously so, um, discriminatory about it. And there's just all these, there's so many different avenues and and different things to be looking at and to be talking about with that. And, um, I know, um, my college campus actually had, one hour uh, discussions, like lunch discussions, where people could come and listen or talk about it. Um, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to attend either. But, you know, so I'm a very open minded guy. I like to look at everything in an open lens. I'm not yeah. a Democrat, Republican. The reason why I say a stage is this the past year, 2020, has mm-hmm. put Democrats versus Republicans. That's oh, yeah. been the biggest thing. Mm hmm. You've seen it with the, the protests, with the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor protests, and, and many others that happened. Mm-hmm. You see this where when people were stealing, looting, um, you know, invading property, stealing cars, 
Right. It's countless videos of police just standing there watching people steal. Mm -hmm. And even some cases you see the police stealing with them. Like there's a, a video of um, people looting in Manhattan, 42nd Street, where I'm from. I love New York. But there's, there's a video of a cop sitting across the street at an Apple store. Just There's like two of them just sitting on a chair. Just watching people go into uh, the Nike store, just stealing mm. boxes of sneakers and all of that stuff. And I'm just sitting there watching, like, uh, where's the police at? Why, why right. are they not arresting them? Then you come to this situation. Right. I never in my life heard of a bunch of people, whether it's terrorism or not, mm-hmm. invade a federal building mm-hmm. and no local law enforcement no fbi no cia no military was called you can't go into mcdonald's right you can't go into mcdonald's take a small soda don't pay for it and leave i'm pretty sure there's gonna be five cops waiting for you (laughs) yeah when you get pulled over for a traffic stop cops always call backup usually three to five officers come for that backup for a broken taillight none of the big law enforcement agencies were able to make it there but the next day and i point I, i pointed this out the next day, the FBI raided Brooklyn and arrested 17 black teens. Exactly, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that these people are invading a federal building, one of the top federal buildings of the country. Right. Nobody's getting shot. No police are showing up. Backrupt ain't showing up. Yeah. You see cops running around, you know, threatening to hit people, but then running up the stairs. But the FBI have enough time to go to, uh, you know, Brooklyn and arrest. Get a bunch of teenagers yeah. who it, are probably unarmed. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm looking at a different light, but I just think all of this stuff doesn't make sense that every time this year so far, every time there was a big event, mm-hmm. some type of white supremacy thing happened. You know, right. when the election happened, white supremacy, Proud Boys, yeah. which again, Proud Boys has minority leaders and members of. So I, I don't know how that would be white supremacy. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Right. Then everything stopped. Now... Trump went to, you know, uh, talk about them, you know, talking about election fraud, then this happens. It's just a coincidence yeah. that every time something big happens without government, something bigger happens. Mm-hmm. And and it's always white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I, maybe maybe no, I'm seeing I mean, it through it's a, a different light, but it just and doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and I, I didn't really think about how all the previous events could lead up to this one. I was just thinking of it as like a standalone thing. So, I mean, I could totally see it from your perspective now. Um, and it just also is kind of curious why the security wasn't better for such a, you know, important building. Right. Um, like, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm not sure all the people in there, but most of the people who work in Congress travel right. with security. I'm pretty sure you won't see Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell walking around by themselves. They'll at least mm-hmm. have two armed security guards with them. Yeah. It, it, that's another argument too, where a lot of people looked at it and said, you know, the armed guards, well, the guards for the Capitol building don't have guns, but mm-hmm. they still managed to shoot four people and kill one woman. It, yeah. it, it just, I feel like it was a way when you see what happened, it riled people up. It got people upset because one of the things I noticed is once you throw Trump's name on anything, it gets people divided like crazy. Yeah. I see through it. I know what's going on. Maybe, again, maybe I'm just being a little um, you know, blind to it all. But I think 
all of this stuff that's happening, it, it's like it's causing a war between us. You know, right. not a lot of black people looking at this video say, look at this. The police, are, you know, they, they back at it again. And now you have white people trying to defend what's going on. We already had a big divide last year. Yeah. This just made it even worse. Well, I guess I, I have a question for you then. I mean, did you read, was it a couple, a month or two ago? Maybe it was October, November, that there's that declaration that came out about diversity and equity work in education and just across the board in professional development. Did you read that? No. Well, I, can you tell me a little it, more about Yeah, it was, well, I don't know if it was a declaration. I, I'm assuming that that's what it was called. But basically, it was a document that was saying that um, from the Trump administration that was saying that diversity professional development work that was being done for like professional development workshops and other things for staff and, and employees was the reason we were divided essentially, at least that's how I interpreted it, was saying, um, you know, while it's important that we look at all these things, it's also dividing people on purpose or something like that. It was saying that like us talking about like women's studies and ethnic studies and other things was like the reason we were divided in some sense. Like while it's important that we, you know, treat each other equally, the people who are doing this work are purposely trying to divide us by saying that we're different, saying that minorities are being oppressed and discriminated against when they're really being treated equally and blah, blah, blah. And that created a riot at my college because we are doing so much um, in the equity committee to provide more and um, for our students who we know are being marginalized in right. the community and in the education system. And so we saw that and we were like, so you're telling us that we can't do any more of the work that we're doing because essentially the Trump administration believes that we are the reason that people are divided and that we are the ones who are purposely trying to divide people through this work. Right. So, yeah, so that was a big thing. So I was just curious if you had heard or read um, that. I, I, now that you mentioned, I didn't know what it was about, but I did hear a snippet about it. Um, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, people always call me a Trump supporter. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I defend <laughs> him sometimes, but it's not that I defend him. It's that sometimes I see, I understand what he's talking about. Now, in terms of diversity. Mm-hmm. What he said was partially wrong. I don't agree that diversity training is the reason why people are so hated amongst each other. Well, I guess that's other. just how I interpreted it. I don't right, know right. that's... It, yeah. it could have been. I'm sure a lot of people interpret it that way. And, I'm, and I'm, I appreciate um, you asking me that question. I'm sure your school is doing better, is doing a great job doing diversity training and helping with the cause. I think what he was probably referring to is, I, I, I'll bring this up. Yeah, for cops, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I learned um, was when, when when cops are training, you know, to be on the force. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happens is, you know, part of their training, yeah, they get a dummy, and it's dressed in street clothes. But mm -hmm. the street clothes is usually jeans, sometimes sagging. They got jewelry on. They got a cap mm -hmm. on. Okay, not being racist, but. Who, when you when you see that yeah. kind of image, you see yeah. that as blacks and Hispanics, right? Yeah, you don't, I'm yeah. sure there's white people and some other uh, cultures that do that, but for the most part, it's black and Hispanics. Mm. So when when you teach somebody who lives in like let's say middle of uh, Texas, mm -hmm. 
when you teach them that kind of training and then you throw them in New York City, right? That's not really helping diversity. Mm-hmm. You're, you're perpetuating to them that okay, when you see a guy wearing this kind kind of outfit, got all the jewelry, got the hat on, he's right. a target or he's a threat in some form. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't agree with what he said. I think we should probably look at how we teach diversity training. Mm-hmm. I think uh, stuff like that, yeah. that that doesn't help. That 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 just causes more hatred. I think in terms of diversity training, I think is best served to have different people, whether it's mm-hmm. LGBT, Black, White, Hispanic, uh, Asian, talk to each other. I don't think a lot of schools and people are mm-hmm. willing to talk to each other. Oh, no. You know, it's yeah. usually, you know, you have a, a Black committee, then some people have, you know, Asian committee, which is great. I, I have not, no problem against that, but I think if you don't have that, that, that conversation, mm-hmm. that, that actual council to have people come together and voice their opinions yeah you can't really change anything if that conversation isn't happening so i'm i don't agree with what he's saying but i think in some aspects what he's saying is we have to do a better job with diversity Mm -hmm. you know yeah but again maybe i i I just think a little different than some people maybe we all think different (laughs) yeah right right. yeah (laughs) that's the beauty of it um do do you think as a country Mm -hmm we will get out of this turmoil well it's been over 400 years and it's still going just not as still violent maybe not as violent i can't even i can't even argue that but yeah i mean it's been ongoing we didn't learn our lesson and history you know repeats itself and over and over and over and yeah maybe in 50 years will be a bit better um i do think that the younger generations are are more proactive on learning and being aware of demographics and history and and how social identities work function have barriers privileges etc i totally think that uh also you know probably thanks to the internet and having access to way more information that we ever had when we were just reading books right, right. um books that you know were predominantly upholding white supremacy in schools and so yeah maybe but at the same time I guess it depends on on where we see the younger generations going in the future too like how what are we teaching them um how are we teaching them things like that so sorry if you hear that um and how do we i guess i think it starts with education well actually no i take that back i think it starts with parenting because i think i read something where children pick up on racial and gender identities when they're like three years old or younger and so it starts from when they're really young and just having that exposure and awareness which is which has been something that i've been really trying to do with my son is finding literally every children's book um, that shows, you know, diversity or expression of self, um, appreciation and self-respect and, and other things, body positivity, other, um, that I can find. Right. And, um, from there it goes to, you know, where is your child going to school? What, 
is the education system teaching them? Is it upholding white supremacy and showing how, you know, white saviorism and other, or is it, you know, showing, you know, um, ethnic studies and showing histories of other countries and other identities and, you know, whatever else, like Japanese incarceration camps and, and other things like that. But there are a lot of places that obviously don't, I feel like don't teach those things. And right. maybe they have changed since since when we were in school, but to what extent, really? And at least in my area, since I haven't really left where I grew up, right? I mean, I see all the students, all the high school students I see are from the schools that I went to. And I don't really see anything has changed. So since I went, at least. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not that old, but still, you know, it's been 10 years, almost 10 years. Ooh, since... silent... no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's been about 10 years. So, oh, 10 years. Um, and, oh man, that means my high school reunion is coming up. <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, um, it, you know, it just shows, you know, while maybe we have been making changes with how everything has been progressing, especially around like gender identity and sexuality, I feel like it still hasn't really. And so the fact that it's been as long as it has, I mean, just in my lifespan, lifetime, I should say, I don't really see it getting much better by the time that, you know, we are old and gray. Um, I hope it is, but unless we make some like drastic changes and I mean, yeah, it's great that we have like our first, um, our first black and Asian VP and our, like the first Korean um, in government and other things like that. But I mean, that's only going to take us so far. And if they don't, and not that everything rests on their shoulders, but everything kind of does rest on their shoulders. And I don't want to put that on them because it shouldn't have to be that way, but it kind of is just with the way that the system is going. So, I mean, if they speak out and people listen and people do things and take call to action and all that, then yeah, totally 50 years from now, I see us, you know, changing, being different, but yeah, I'm just not overly confident either <laughs> just based on our history. Right. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I took a psychology class. Uh, I, I would never forget this uh, professor named Dr. Munchie. He was one of the best teachers I ever had. Mm. And one of the things we talked about was Like you said, it starts with childhood. Education is very important. Parenting is very important. Mm -hmm. People, I don't think people really understand how deep that is. I think people are so quick to say, oh, he's racist. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's people who are racist, but I also look at why they're racist. Because, you know, for someone in New York City, it's probably not their best interest to be racist if you grow up in a very diverse city like that. Mm -hmm. But someone who grows up in the middle of Texas with no Black people around. You know, I'm pretty sure their parents probably grew up the same way where it's just white people around them. They see images of, you know, black people on TV and movies where, you know, they always gangbang and they always shoot mm-hmm. up the block. You see mm-hmm. Muslims as terrorists, you know, bombing mm-hmm. airplanes. You see Hispanics as, you know, drug cartel members selling drugs. Mm-hmm. I think oh gosh, education yes. is very important. And some people don't like how I... It's not that I condone white supremacy is not that i do think people who think like that deserve to you know you know be in trouble but i also think that some people just weren't educated properly 
You know, mm-hmm. as kids, you don't think about color. You know, I I don't remember at three, four, five, six, seven years old worrying about how light or dark someone's skin color was. Right. But as you get older, especially in your community and your parents, you start to you know, notice. Exactly. You know, there was a video recently where a, a black man, he, he was recording it. He was at, a, I think it was like a, a uh, it was a wholesale sp- uh, place, BJ's maybe. And he was walking. And this little girl, a uh, little white girl, saw him coming and she was screaming. And oh, she was like, Black man, mommy, black man, They're just screaming. And he got upset and threw it in the freezer. I thought it was a little funny, close the door, but he didn't lock it in there. He just threw it in there. But mm-hmm. I think that right there shows you the, the amount of teaching that child mm-hmm. would need. Because if that, that if her mother or, or parents don't teach her that, being black isn't a crime and it's right. something to be feared of. She's going to grow up to be that way. You know, a lot of people grew up, you know, in that, that kind of mindset where, all right, if I see black men, if I see someone who's dark skinned, if I see someone who don't look like my me, purse or something, yeah, I, I got yeah. crushed my cross the street, always think the, the, the worst of them. You know, a right. lot of people, even now to this day, when they see Muslims, they get, they get shaken because mm-hmm. every time we look around, every time you see Muslims on TV, you know, they're bombing something. Or they're, they're threatening, they're killing multiple amount Unless of people. Unless you watch Legends of Tomorrow. That's a good, that's, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. a good show. I like that one. Um, but I think it's, it's getting, I don't think it's getting better. I think oh, we're no. starting to see a shift, mm-hmm. especially in the entertainment industry where a lot of celebrities are speaking out a little more about diversity. Oh, yes. But we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, it was funny. One of one of my friends said this. He said, "Until the old people start dying off," and then he he was like, "Thank God for COVID because the old people are cleansing out." Oh, which no. a little harsh, but I think when you look at some of the racing that goes on, mm-hmm. a lot of the, to be honest, a lot of people who in the sixties and seventies, some fifties, who grew up during slavery, still grew up segregated schools might mm-hmm. still have those principles not all of them but some of them they a might, lot yeah. of them still have hold those principles mm-hmm. so it's going to take a while until that 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 uh that filth gets out of the clothes right and it's i don't think racism will ever end but i think we'll probably get to a point where people will stop racially profiling someone based off their skin color or what they wear or their religion or something like mm-hmm. that but it's going to take a long time for, for it to get to that point yeah um you mentioned something yeah gender oh <laughs> we could talk about this all day but i i gotta ask you especially as a woman uh because yeah. i haven't had uh women on a podcast before so i'm, oh. I'm glad you're here has it changed the dynamics of your your school or your the way how you you um you know approach cl- uh, students and oh yeah and education yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, like, I, I guess I can give a few examples. So we have a all gender bathroom now. Um, so students can use that if they don't feel comfortable using, you know, the men or the women's. Um, we use pronouns, preferred pronouns when we, in our signatures, when we have conversations with people, literally every diversity equity conference um, or council meeting or just meeting in general related to it, we always say our name and then our preferred pronouns. Um, and then same thing with, I guess, presentations and other. 
um, we always say, you know, like, hi, I'm Katie Ohashi. I go by she, her, her, hers pronouns and whatever else they want you to say. So there are certain things like that that have changed, but I wouldn't say they were forced or that they apply to every. I mean, they should apply to everybody, but that everybody does it or feels like they have to do it. So it's still like an ongoing thing. And, and this was like three years ago. Um, so, I mean, we're not, things move slow in education, but um, so I would say like for me, I, I mean, I use it, I do it, I, whatever else. Um, that being said, I don't think most of the people in my office or in their surrounding areas know necessarily or do it. Um and I guess people have an ongoing debate about this, you know, like, do, should you have to say preferred pronouns right. all the time, especially because you, in most scenarios, when we're talking or debating about this, you have the privileged pronouns or the pronouns that are not going to negate or um, have you be targeted, um, you know, whether you know, you're non-conforming or non-binary or, you know, what gender fluid or, or whatever else it may be. And I, I don't even know all the identities out there anymore, but, you know, there are different conversations like that, that we always still have. Um, some other people also say you should always do this. You have to do this um, because, you know, that way you're meeting the student or the individual where they're at. And that way they can disclose it to you if they want to, or they can choose, you know, to um, present themselves in a different way. Like I've had students where my signature says she, her, hers pronouns, and then they reply back. And, it, and it's just a gener generic email, like, welcome to the college and you hear some resources, et cetera, et cetera. And they reply back saying, oh, I noticed your signature says this and I'm really glad it does. And these are my pronouns and, and whatever else. That's it. Right. No, not even acknowledging the rest of the email, just the signature, <laughs> which, which is great. Um, and I, and I like that they, in that, in that form and medium, you know, feel comfortable enough to share that information with me. And in other conversations, you know, especially when writing notes. So I guess not everybody is aware, but, you know, as an advisor, I have to, I don't have to, but I write notes for every student that I see so I can remember it. So I know what to talk about next. So I know what's going on. So if another advisor sees them, they also know what's going on. And we had the conversation actually recently, which I feel like is, is long overdue of what pronouns you use when you're writing comments about other students. Right. Not that you necessarily know. Um, so, you know, do you write this student did this, blah, 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 blah. And then they blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, are you writing, um, as an example, like Maria is pursuing this and she wants to do that without asking them what their actual preferred pronoun is, you know, like, and, and that was something that I guess, I think all of us did before initially when we first started. And so kind of talking about like, do we use they, them pronouns until we know the, the students pronouns? Do we use it for all students um, or do we ask them right away? And then, but then also you don't want to intrude and you don't want to ask them what their gender pronoun, especially in, in the area that I'm from where that's still something that not everybody even knows about. Like some people still don't know about that there's more than just two genders now and that there's like an infinite number of different sexualities, gender identities, gender stereotypes and other 
and pronouns. So that's still like an ongoing thing where you might mention it to somebody and they're like, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know like the difference between like masculine, feminine, et cetera. So what are you asking? Because we used to ask those questions in registration. When you register for a class, it would ask you your gender identity and sexuality. And people would always be like, I don't know which one to choose. I don't know what any of these mean. And there was like seven or eight. So, you know, we're still, we're still working on it. It's still um, a work in progress to bring awareness and to inform others. And I mean, none of us even know all of these things either. So it's, we're all learning together and we, yeah. So the note-taking, the pronouns and the bathroom, those are the, I guess the three big things that we have been working on. I'm sure there's an infinite number of other things that we should be working on, but um, as far as I'm aware, there I, we don't have anything else that I'm aware of that we're working on because of this past year and all the events. Right. Have you had students or specifically parents or even working professionals feel a kind of way with their kids being in a, you know, the school setting? Because, you know, it's not so much how I feel. I, I feel like, especially now because of the pronouns and you have to ask people how they want to be addressed. Right. It's changing how people, especially, you know, high school students are operating. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you, do you see that kind of behavior happening where a lot of parents are probably voicing their opinions or students don't feel comfortable with the whole pronoun situation and stuff like that? Oh yeah. I mean, there are educators who don't feel comfortable with it. I mean, I, I went to a conference a few years ago and we had to write the pronouns on our name tags and they were like, why do we have to write this? I don't understand. Like we, I don't like, I don't even remember what they said, but I was very shocked at what they said. And I was like, you work in student services and you're asking me that, but okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, parents are always very opinionated and, and for good reason. I mean, they just want the best for their student. They, especially um, parents who didn't go to college, they, they don't want to do everything for the student, but they are very much connected and communicating with me, I feel like. Right. And I mean, I've had I've had parents in the past, as I'm sure any advisor would also say, where their student is taking a class about sexuality, gender identity, um, like different identities in film and other, where they just don't feel comfortable with their children learning those things. And, and, they're, and I guess I should say that their child is between the age of 16 and 19 years old. So, I mean, there are things like that, um, like different religions some parents are not comfortable with that because you know they obviously believe in this one religion and they don't necessarily believe in any other religions aside from their own so so they're they don't necessarily want their kid to be in conversation with that or to you know learn about that or they want to try and see if the professor will do like some kind of alternate assignment for that um or a different alternate reading or or other so i've definitely had those conversations not just with gender identity and sexuality but with other things like morals and values and and whatnot and i i guess i don't really see it with working professionals as much it's usually just parents um not i mean not that parents are bad or anything but yeah uh hmm it's definitely touchy yeah especially can be you know, I'm an open-minded guy. I, I'm not, sometimes I do troll people and bust people's jobs, <laughs> but I grew up 
you know, I, I know, you know, what a woman looks like, what a man looks like. So for me, I, I'm only 25, but when I look at, like, when I see you, I automatically say she. Mm-hmm. I don't think, or her, you know? Yeah. If you want to be, and that's probably, you know, as we told about, I probably should have asked you your pronouns before we started. That's okay. But it, it, it's just not something as yeah. people we've, this is still new to us. Like, I've mm-hmm. never thought about, let me ask them how they want to be addressed. You know, usually mm-hmm. if I'm talking to you, I'll say she or her or it's, in, in some instances you will say they. Right. But I think too, the the problem that a lot of people have and are, are having is this different languages. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who speak Spanish, Hispanic. I don't speak a lot of uh, Spanish, but I do speak some. It's a very gendered language, you know? And so is I, Korean. And, 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 and other languages too, mm-hmm. Korean. Um, it's very gendered. Mm-hmm. Would it get to a point where schools will start trying to implement languages to be more non-gendered, you know, oh, non-gendered languages? You know, I, I yeah. think it, it's going to get to a point where it's going to be hard for people who, who come from different countries or different well, backgrounds who speak their yeah. native language. And now they have to start breaking down their language that's very gendered and, right. and make it non-gendered. Do you do you see that oh, becoming an issue? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because especially because in high school you have to learn a foreign language. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know how that would work. I I just know examples from students that I've had in the past where their preferred name or preferred pronouns were not the way that they looked, and at certain high schools those high schools were not welcoming of that. And this was like maybe two years ago where they said, no, I go by this name and this pronoun. And the teacher was like, well, your name says this on the attendance sheet. So that's what we're going with. And that's the name that you were born with. And that's blah, 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 blah. And so, I mean, like, I guess it just depends on how you would train and get the word out to literally every school out there, which in and of itself would be a challenge, but it should be done. I don't know how you would, I guess, ungender or I don't even know the word, uh, a a foreign (laughs) language, right? Um, I know, at least with Korean, you can always, you always call them by their name. And so you would say like, you know, like my husband or my partner is right here, or this is my partner or my partner is going to do this or you, or like my name. And, you know, so, I mean, you don't necessarily use like a gender pronoun, but you just say the person's name, but there are a lot of other things that are very gendered. Um, And I guess that's really up to the country to decide how they would change that. But then you got to go through all the generations of knowing different terminologies and does it become more like a slang term or is it like the official dictionary you know term for whatever the word is I guess it would be really challenging especially because not every country is at the same level or pace with diversity work right so understanding that I guess too would be a whole nother debacle before we get right back into the action thank you for tuning in to another charismatic episode um, if you are interested on in being on the Prince of Fresh Air podcast, you can hit me up on Instagram at Mr. Dot No Days Off Percy. Again, that's Mr. Dot No Days Off Percy. You can also go to Anchor 
dot fm slash the prince of fresh air the homepage. you can also find my social media links there and if you're also interested in sending in voice messages or donating you can also do that as well i would love to use the proceeds to go to a local food bank or a warmer house and um you know i can take up to you know ten thousand dollars you know i'm not gonna complain but yeah thank you for tuning to another episode let me know your thoughts and opinions what i can improve or something that you enjoy and let's get right back to the action, shall we? I like to ask these questions because unless we do, we won't we won't get solutions. Right. We won't ever talk about it. And yeah. I'm very opinionated about the LGBT community, not in a negative way, but I do have a lot of opinions that I like to express. And one yeah. of the things, because I want to ask you about your you know your your podcast in a second, yeah. but it, it's one of those things where we live in a society now. Mm-hmm. where because of the new movement to be more inclusive right a lot of kids especially in high school and college aren't familiar with it you know mm-hmm. i remember at one point when i was in school uh not not that long ago two three years ago mm-hmm. where i had i was friends with a guy and i i won't say his name but he yeah. he was a good good dude we we had a uh, radio show together okay and then kind of gave him away <laughs> yeah he 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 went from he him to she her and he oh, changed his okay. name yeah it's not that i wanted to be offensive but i mm. it didn't register to me because every time i saw yeah. him i thought about him as him right and i i, f- I fear that where we're moving as a society a lot of kids are going to be put in this position where if they don't confine to it very fast, mm-hmm. you're seeing the words transphobic and homophobic thrown around like crazy. Yeah. Are people like that? Absolutely. But I think a lot of people just don't understand it yet. They need mm-hmm. they need more education about it. And mm-hmm. then whether they choose to accept it or not is their choice. But right. I think when, like, if you have a, a student who just has a hard time addressing someone as they, mm-hmm. and then, you know, people start calling them homophobic. Right. I think that doesn't do a service to that student and the student that he's having trouble with. Right. So, you know, I think I think you're on the right path. Your school's doing the right thing where you're having those conversations. A lot of places aren't having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Instead of having that conversation, if you don't conform, conform right then and there, they start attacking you as a person. And I, I don't think that's going to help with the inclusion part. I think it's going to be more exclusion where mm-hmm. a lot of people are just going to be turned off by the whole idea, um, right. especially in education, you yeah. know? So, um, but you know, let, let's kick the, we, we've been on this, we've been talking for a while. So, <laughs> and I'm sure you, you have, we went down that, a black hole. A yeah, rabbit right? hole. <laughs> this was a lot longer than I, I'm pretty sure both of us was, was thinking, but uh, so let, let's switch off all the, yeah. the dark and gloomy stuff. Let's get okay. happy. So, <laughs> Uh, let's talk about your, your podcast, Wonderful World of Disney Villains. Yeah. Uh, what is that about? How come you started it? And like, you know, what do you talk about in, yeah. in that podcast? Yeah. Well, a lot of things we already talked about. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So so the Wonderful World of Disney Villains is looking at social identities of Disney characters in Disney films. Okay. And so uh, particularly with an emphasis on a love for Disney villains and how in whatever film that we're looking at you're looking at this is disney's utopia of 
identities, of characteristics, how you behave, what society is like, government, etc. And in this, you have a villain who is, I guess, I don't want to say rebelling, but it's very different um, and is shunned and outcasted for it where they have similar goals and, and ideals and values and what they want, but they just go to a different type of extreme to get there that breaks a lot of rules, that breaks a lot of what that society believes in. And not that I'm saying like killing and ruining people's lives is what you should be doing for a living because it's right. definitely not. But there <laughs> are, when you're excluding those parts of them, they are very much like marginalized people. And they, I would say don't have any type of support to help them achieve what it is that they're looking to do Oof. or accomplish or, or whatever it may be. And the it came from this through a couple of different avenues. So one was, um, I am a social worker, so I do try to see things from every perspective. Right. And the other thing is I went to school um, after graduating so I went for my master's degree in cultural studies and they do want you to choose like something to write your thesis about your capstone etc and so I was trying to decide what to do and everybody in all my classes kept mentioning like you know whenever we're talking about Disney let's ask Katie whenever we're talking about a Disney character or a Disney quote or something like ask Katie about it because you know Katie's the resident Disney expert so to say. And I don't even know how that came about, but I guess I must've talked about it so much that they just associated me with Disney. So right. I was like, okay, I'll just do my thesis and capstone on Disney then. Cause that cultural studies applies to every, everything I think. Um, so I, so I started looking at what, what should I talk about with Disney? So that's when I looked at the social oppressions of villains and uh, specifically through the lenses of the TV show once upon a time, uh, which is on Disney Plus, was on Freeform, yeah. and, and now it's on Disney Plus, which literally shows the, I guess, the revolution, or not the revolution, um, the the second chances that vi the villains get after the Disney princess happily ever after. So looking at um, Captain Hook and what happened to his hand and how he basically um, came back from it, re rehabilitated from it, and looking at the evil queen from Snow White and how the reason that she was so hateful and vengeful was because Snow White technically gave up a secret which killed the love of her life right in front of her. And right. so from there on, you know, she's like very hateful and like, you ruined my happy ending. So I'm going to get revenge. Um, so different things like that. And so I looked at that and this, uh, there's a parody musical on YouTube called Twisted the Untold Story of a Royal Vizier by Team Starkid literally a parody about Disney every making fun of every Disney animated movie basically every and Pixar and it's specifically looking at it from the lens of Jafar from the movie Aladdin and how he believes literally everything that we all believe and how all the Disney characters are basically against him because he's ugly old and whatever else and how everything for them is about their looks. And if you're not beautiful, you're not going to get nothing. Right. And all these other things. And so it's just really poking fun at. And that's kind of where I got most of my inspiration for it. It's because I was looking at it, watching it, and being like, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Disney does kind of portray this, even though we believe it, you know, portrays ideals of hope and, you know, courage and love and other. It does also say that if you're not beautiful, you're not going to get some magic intervention to help you. Or right. if you don't you know, 
believe this, then you're not going to get that, like those types of things. So that kind of jumpstarted it. And I did, um, my capstone was a blog, which is my now blog, the wonderful world of disneyvillains.com, or I think it's just wonderful world of disneyvillains.com without the, and I just kind of started writing. And from there I was like, well, I'm more of a talker than a writer. I don't really like typing and writing things. I like to talk. And so I was, both. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, maybe I should do a podcast instead or, or together. And so that's why I started the wonderful world of Disney villains podcast. And the first episode is about the professional development workshop that I do. So the professional development workshop was literally me explaining my thesis in a presentation format to the people that I work with for professional development. So really talking about like their bias and their stereotypes through media that media perpetuates on children about um, being different about minorities and criminalizing those identities and demographics, which then I feel like reflects in how children look at society and how children perceive, you know, like black people as bad or Hispanic people as bad and, and X, Y, and Z and looking at dialects and looking at like the color of someone's skin or fur and how, you know, the villain always has the darker skin, the darker fur, except in princess and the frog, but they did that on purpose. And I know Disney has like a, um, a little warning thing that they put up now, but it's only up there for like five seconds and you're really not going to be able to read that entire thing in five seconds. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I look at. I, I mean, I kind of look in at the overall, but also I'm trying to do more like in-depth dives at specific characters and specific movies. And so that's kind of what I've been working on. Um, I have my first guest coming up. We're going to talk about Disney princess relationships and uh, dating culture in Disney princess movies and how, you know, when you look at it, Disney princesses have no dating experience at all. Yeah, but they all end up with the first person that they meet, and they get married like the next day. Oh god! So, so you know, there's all these things that you know are are being taught to children, and and I'm hoping to actually expand into Marvel and other and Star Wars and other things in the future. But but um, I feel like I should start with Disney animation since that's kind of what my thesis was. Oh man, I love that topic. You know, when I I read your title. Yeah, uh, for the pocket, it. I I was on a bench at Disney shows. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it's not an animation movie, but the Heavyweights is a I, one of my favorite movies of from Disney of all time. Mm-hmm. It's about a bunch of kids that go to mm-hmm. a fat camp, and mm-hmm. the villain Tony Perkis, he's supposed to be trying to he's trying to whip the kids in shape, mm-hmm. but throughout the movie. It's portrayed as, you know, they, they have a camp across the lake where it's a bunch of very attractive women and men who have washboard abs. You mm. know, they look good. They always yeah. take their shirt off. Beach body. Yeah, the beach body, the, the washboard abs. And then the, mm-hmm. the fat kids are always, you know, every chance they get, oh. they got to they gotta sneak food into the cabin. You know, oh. you there's a couple of the camp, uh, camp counselors stacking food and trees and then the kids paying them to get the food and it's and then like the villain he's also um his, his name is going to come to me at some point but um he he's starving them he's making them run 15 miles in, in dry uh-huh. heat he he's doing all of this nonsense yeah and it's just like I, the movie is fantastic I, I don't really think that deep into it but 
after I read your title, I was looking at it, I'm like, man, they really just, it just gave the middle finger to, to fat people. It was like, yeah, all y'all can do is stuff your face, be lazy, don't want to work out, don't want to play mm-hmm. sports, and you're really smart. And the, the people who are in physical shape are stupid. They don't, they don't understand basic history or right. education, and they just look good. And Yeah, and they know, still get everything because they look good. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> <laughs> if you ever get, it, I I need to come on your show and talk about yeah. that stuff because you know it's it's really good, um, you know it's been a, we've been on doing this for two hours so I, I I'm cool. sure we're both ready to enjoy the rest of the weekend, um, is there any final thoughts you want to talk about uh about your work or what do you see yourself achieving in 2021, um or where people can find you stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm hoping that I have a lot of things coming this year or, or just in the future in general. Um, I'm looking at, uh, well, I guess don't tell my boss, but I'm looking at how it weighs that Late. I can no. <laughs> development. Well, only because um, I've, so every year, and I would even say every month, my boss and I talk about professional development because right. that is something that is really big to me as an educator is always improving myself and learning more things. And my boss told me, I think last year, she was like, well, I don't have anything else for you. You might want to look at another job or something. She's like, I don't want you to leave, but we're running out of options and you can, you know, talk to other people, other deans, see what they know. And and so I have, and I've done all those things. And so there are a couple great job opportunities that are up up and out in the system that I kind of want to look into and um, more of a, a... uh, higher or bigger hand in things that are revolved around diversity and equity work for campuses, including my own. So I've been kind of looking to see if maybe I can get into one of those and make more of an impact and do more things and and be more involved. Um, and so maybe that will happen. We don't know. Uh, I am looking to get more guests on my podcast as well to talk about different things, different movies, whatever it may be, soundtracks, other um I have a few on the way and then my blog uh what www.wonderfulworldofdisneyvillains.com has literally all the information about the podcast about other things I've been working on Uh, I just posted about um looking at Prince Philip and Prince Eric from Sleeping Beauty and the Little Mermaid uh because I watched those movies back to back and I was like they don't really have diversity with princes (laughs) they have the exact same storyline they fall in love with someone's voice they look for the voice, they find the voice, they want to marry the person with the voice. Then they find out that they're supposed to marry or that they can't be with that person for X, Y, and Z reasons. But then they find out that the person they are supposed to marry or the, I guess, the societal expectation of the type of role they're supposed to marry is actually the person with the voice that they were already in love with. Wow, so yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> so different <laughs> things like that. Um, also looking at um, the role of authority in Disney movies and how that flips by the end and other things I've, I've written about and I plan to talk about on the podcast. Um, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean and iHeartRadio just added me nice. on Con- my birthday. Awesome. <laughs> so that was, yeah, so that was really fun. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, uh, WW of Diz Villains. DIS villains. So I'm, I'm actually very active on Instagram. So if, if anybody ever wants to reach out to me or have ideas for episodes, if you have ideas for episodes, you can always let me know. 
Um, or if you want to be a guest or if anybody else wants to be a guest, you know, reach me on Instagram. Perfect. That, that summed it up. I, I didn't tell you, um, in order to self-promote yourself, you, I needed $5,000. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, yo, you know, you've been one of the best guests I have on the show. Oh, thank you. Not just because you're a woman, uh, being a first uh, woman on the podcast, Yay. but the, the knowledge that you was able to bring and the, the diversity of topics that we were able to cover, because there's a lot of topics I, I want to, you know, always touch on. Yeah. And I, I haven't found people who have extension knowledge on like education and, you know, even Disney villains. I don't know how many people actually even <laughs> consider stuff like that. So I did my um, whole, my whole thesis on it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, well, keep it up. And I'm pretty sure you, you're killing it out there in Washington. And I'm sure a lot of the parents are very grateful to have you as oh, a, so. a advisor for their students. And I'm sure your other um, students, whether older, younger, appreciate your, your, your kindness and wisdom of uh thank you and, and passion um it, it's been it, we've I, been doing I'm this feeling while, it so. just keep talking <laughs> five thousand dollars i'm telling yeah. you <laughs> but thank you katie i appreciate you thank coming you. on i will yeah. definitely have you back uh we, we're going to talk about uh we'll probably do like a a cross promotion thing uh, yeah. eventually and uh you know, have a great rest of the weekend and I'm you too. I'm, and continue doing what you're doing, continue helping out the youth. And with that, uh, like I always end the podcast, I always say a helping hand is a better hand. Thank you, Kate.